Hello, just a quick bit before this week's episode to let you know that we have a Patreon you can subscribe to if you like what we're doing here and you want more of it. You probably already knew that. We don't stop going on about it. What you didn't know is that you can currently get a little free trial so you know exactly what you'd get as part of your subscription. You can head to patreon.com slash whatismusicpod or follow the link in the show notes to get your first seven days free. All you need to do is pick which tier you'd like a free trial of. The Biggest Mates tier is the one that has all the extras in it. And then for seven days, you are free to listen to any episode we've released in the last six months. You can cancel any time or just leave the subscription rolling if you like what you find. It's charged monthly. And during any month, as part of that Biggest Mates tier, you'll get ad-free episodes of this show every Monday. You'll get a brand new episode of our new Manic Street Preacher show every month. Two episodes every month of The Ultimate Playlist, our themed playlist show, where we talk about all kinds of different music, different artists, different genres, different eras, and one or two bonus episodes every month, depending on the length of the month. That's two episodes every week. There's also other tiers to trial. One that is just the Manic Show and ad-free What Is Music episodes, and another that is just ad-free What Is Music episodes. But hey, if the first seven days are free, why not try a bit of everything? Plus, all tiers include access to the exclusive subscriber-only Discord where we discuss the shows, the bands we've covered, various music topics, and loads of other stuff, including some games that the friendly community have devised themselves. So head on over to our Patreon page now to claim your free seven-day trial. Go to patreon.com slash whatismusicpod or follow the link in our show notes. See you there. Hello, and uh, welcome to Do You Love Us? A critical analysis of the history, cultural impact, and music of Manic Street Preachers. I'm Adam Scott Glasspool. I'm joined, as always, by Steve Murphy. Hello. And Lucas Way. Hello. We are very old big mates, and we um, (laughs) are doing a deep dive into the career and the music of Manic Street Preachers um, from the perspective of uh, me, a super fan, Steve, kind of a casual listener, aware of the Manics over the years, yeah. and Lucas, a complete novice who knew a few songs and not a lot else. Lucas H. Plebman. Yes. Lucas H. Plebman, the, the, cy- the cyborg man. The cyborg, the cyborg man, Robert Mr. Robotman. Robotman. Yeah, yeah. Um, Mr. Robotman himself, Lucas. <laughs> <laughs> I hate everything that just happened. Uh, if you uh, are uh, joining us for the first time on this episode, we introduce ourselves a little bit uh, more, a little bit uh, longer. And oh, God, it's so long. A little bit more insufferable in the last episode. So um, This is episode two. This is episode two, and we're going to be covering Generation Terrorists, the debut album by Manic Street Preachers. Um, how, how do you guys feel now that we've, we're over the first hurdle of the first episode? I'm glad I never have to listen to that EP again. Okay. Wow. Well, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good great start. Away. So, if you started here, Lucas, me, Adam, we all hate the manics. Oh, we hate them. <laughs> They're bastards. No, this is good. It's a, it's a fun time, right? It's a fun time. Yeah, we're here back at uh, Lucas's house. Um, very nicely put us up. It nice. I'm not putting you up. Oh, you I said have, we can stay for you're a week. You're not staying the night. Uh, I have nowhere else to go tonight. Yeah. What? We've travelled miles. <sighs> There's a Salvation Army around the corner. Mm. You just got engaged. I did. Congratulations. Congratulations, man. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Do you know what? I actually haven't heard how you proposed. Are you comfortable telling that story? Oh, 
do does anyone care I beyond do. the people in this room and my to be wife? Uh, probably. Go on. You don't have to go into details. It was our anniversary. Are. We went for a spa day. Wow, he sounds really happy about this. Yeah, yeah. I'm a li- I'm ex- I'm ecstatic. <laughs> God, and Mr. Robertman is uh, down on one knee. We went to a spa day. <laughs> I obviously couldn't get in the water because otherwise what? I'd short circuit. Oh, yeah. Ah, yeah, oh, yeah. A little joke about me being uh, a robot man. A robot man. Uh, and went for a little spa. Mm-hmm. Had a lovely little rub. Little sorry. Little rub. Yep. Little little hot tub action. Yeah, yeah. All that oh, sort of loveliness. God, yeah. Went yep. for lunch after yes, the spa. Honestly, I asked how you proposed, not the schedule of your <laughs> spa weekend. Uh, I we. Uh, uh, we went for a walk in the forest, and I got down on one knee and asked That's her. Oh, so nice. you did the proper? You did the proper down on one knee and yeah. Did you ask her dad? That's nice. I asked her dad. Yeah. Oh, you went super traditional. That's cool. Well, I like she, it. Yeah, she would have appreciated it. Sure. Yeah. Even though I didn't really ask him permission, I more told him my intention. Yeah. Gave him the heads yeah, up. Yeah. Still, that's a nice sort of uh, yeah. considerate Jesh. thing. Steve, what's going on with you? Oh, got a new job. Oh, good. Yeah. Oh, we talked about this a little bit uh, last week. A bit about it, yeah. I say last week. I think it's two weeks ago, isn't it? I mean, the dirty secret is is that we're recording this straight after the last one. Oh, my God. He's trying to really keep up the illusion. He's parting the wizard's legs. I've crumbled five minutes in. Don't bring that back. What? That was a similar amount of time to the last one. It's a (laughs) well-known... You know, when you... This is unwarranted filth. Okay, look. (laughs) Yeah. You got a new job. Yeah, still a servant. All right, now yeah. shut up again. Okay. What's new with you, Adam? Uh, oh my god, no way. Not not much actually, to be honest. Cool. Oh. Everything all right at home? Started a new podcast. Oh, yeah, oh what's really? that about? Uh, it's about band from the nineties. They uh, mainly trade in dad rock. Don't don't say that. The sound it's of the band <laughs> Five. Yes. Yes. The famous dad rock band <laughs> Five. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck is your dad like? <laughs> He's uh, Jay from Five. <laughs> is there a member of Five called Jay? Yeah, yeah he was nice. one of the eyebrow piercing. He was the tank top guy. He did uh, the right? rapping bits. Nice. I think. Yeah. Uh, Adam was about to ask an, a legitimate question. Was oh, okay. I? He said, can you... Uh, oh, can you tell me? This is something I've been wondering since since the last episode, five minutes ago. Yeah. Um, Sleeves. What do you think? What, what is dad rock to you? Oh, I knew you were going to ask this question. Yeah. Uh, don't know. Is it? It's a state of mind. Something. <laughs> something that could conceivably. Is it like status quo? Oh, status quo are like primo dad rock, but that's like my dad listened to that when he was younger, and they are still about. Whereas, what I imagined Manix to be wrongly was a band that just appealed to dads. Mm. So. I don't know what it is. Something just that could conceivably light... be on a compilation called The World's Greatest Driving Music. Or yes. Something like that, right? Yeah. Like, very light rock. Which I think... Really inoffensive, I no think edge. The Design for Life has been on, like, a Top Gear compilation. Yeah. Sure. Like, that yeah. sort of thing. Okay. Dads who, like, pop on a little brown leather jacket at the weekend when they're feeling a bit spicy. Oh, you're describing my dad. <laughs> <laughs> who, incidentally... Tim! We haven't really gone into how I, like, got introduced to Manic Street Preachers. You, you are both... You're being introduced to Manic Street Preachers now, Lucas. And Steve, you kind of go into them through, through me. You. Yeah. We haven't really talked about how I got into it, but it is through my dad. Tim. Um, Tim. 
big shout out to Big Tim. Big Tim. Big Tim Glasspool. On yep. the mic. <laughs> <laughs> we should actually we should actually get him on. Yep. We should get my dad on. That would be good. We should get um, my dad on too. No, thank you. He uh <laughs> he only listens to seventies disco. Oh man, I love a bit of seventies disco. It's not really relevant though, is it? Yeah. So your dad <laughs> So uh right. So my dad had a mini disc player and I would listen to it in the car. And on the compilation of stuff he had on his mini disc was uh, "You Stole the Song from My Heart," designed for life. And if you tolerate this, your children will be next. Um, which started me on the path. Really, they just the songs just uh, blew my tiny little fourteen, fifteen year old mind because um, they are catchy as fuck. Mm. And I, I've always been inclined to like listen to the lyrics and consider the lyrics and stuff. I think that comes from like a much earlier band for me is R.E.M. who have these really kind of oblique, odd lyrics that conjure up odd images and I'm, I'm always interested in stuff like that. Um, and it just yeah, led, led me to kind of exploring them and, and I think Lifeblood had, was just about to come out when I started getting into them, um, which is why I hold that album quite like highly in my list. Because it was a new, exciting thing. Yeah. Oh, there's a new, new there's more. Yeah, there's yeah. more to get into. I can't wait to open that and exactly. just get too obsessed with it. Exactly. Yeah. And, and and the album we're talking about today, Generation Terrorist, is one of the ones that I came to much later. Right, okay. So I'm like much more familiar with kind of like late 90s, early 2000s Manic Street Preachers. Or, or like typically I was. That's how I got into them. Um, yeah, for my 16th birthday, my parents bought me like six tickets and I could choose who got one of the magic tickets to go and see Manitary Preachers. Steve, you were obviously one of them. Um, Cute. And then you had to find four more friends. Yeah, yeah. I sold them, toweted them. Um, the the gig was like actually way rougher than I was expecting yeah. it to be. Yeah, I remember yeah. like you saying I, you regretted wearing your glasses in there. Uh, no, I think you've mixed memories. My first. No, ever I gig- don't, Steve. Oh. <laughs> my first ever gig was my Come On and Take Back Sunday yeah, and yeah. I went in glasses and got them knocked off my face as soon as the band started that was your first ever gig yeah I, I was thought that, that gig was at, I thought that was that. and that is like I'd been to many gigs alright mate so Ooh, you know wow. I am better than you You're, yeah 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 absolutely been big timed by um, at music Lucas. clearly life and just at your life wonderful life. house yeah. that, that Manix gig at Southampton Guildhall was um, uh, was my first ever gig Yes, it was. Yeah. But yeah, I was surprised how rough it was because I went into it knowing a few of the pop songs, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then a pit opened up. And they opened with Of Walking Abortion. Mm. Uh, and they played a Design for Life twice. Um, yeah. Uh, no, no, sorry. No, they didn't play it twice. They played it second. Whereas they usually always play it last. So I, right. I remember like turning to you and going like, well, now I don't know anything else. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> they uh, spunked their huge track really early. Um Fans of uh, Manitary Preachers uh, who are as nerdy as me will have correctly identified this tour as the Past, Present, Future Tour uh, in 2005. So uh, that's, that's the tour they were playing A Design for Life last on. I'm not friends with Adam uh, anymore. Oh, what about you, Lucas? Are you still <laughs> friends with me? Well, that would imply I was ever friends ever with was. me. <laughs> <laughs> but we're going so far into the future. Mm. That's 2005, and we need to turn our attention back. That's a Diet Coke can. We need to turn our attention back. Could have waited until... Uh, we're going to turn our attention back to 1992, 
where we left the Manic Street Preachers. <laughs> I, quite like, I, I like this new like storytelling thing that we're going to be doing. <laughs> the year um, was 92. So let's, let's talk about Generation Terrorists. Long, innit? Oh, it's so long. I would but, argue too long. However, Adam then correctly uh, corrected us. In the, it is a double album. It is a double in album. What, what makes this a double album? Two pieces of vinyl. Right, that's it. It was well, physically printed on two pieces of vinyl that makes it a double album. Typically, yes. So That's where the term comes from. Uh, so what if a band just has really long songs and by necessity require two pieces of vinyl? Double album. That's considered a double album. Yeah, I mean, I th- it's quite an antiquated term when yeah. you're looking at it strictly in terms of like length. Because these days a double album would more cons- be considered like two sort of distinct separate bits well, of work. Well, it's funny. I mean, mm. la- last, last episode we talked briefly about the new Coldplay album, which, of course, is a double album. Did is we? it? Yeah, we did. How briefly. many songs is that? It's 16 songs. Oh, it's just too many songs. No, it's not. It's 18 songs. Sorry. But no, are they six, kind of, oh, are okay, they very distinctly yeah. separate two pieces of yeah, work? Yeah, it's actually not long enough. It would all fit on um, one piece of vinyl. They've right. just chosen, like you say, conceptually to split it up. Yeah. Okay. Thrice once made a quadruple album. We did, based around the elements. Mm. I like that album. Wow. So, like, the African element, the Indian element, um, elements you have in the zoo. Um, no, what, what, are the no other t- what you've done there, Adam, is that you've um, incorrectly... Um, <laughs> moving on. Moving on. <laughs> uh, well, here we go. Here's, here's why it's important that I made the distinction that it is a double album, okay? Uh, because... Manic Street Preachers, their big press quote at the time. And they liked to say, as we know from last time, they liked to say outrageous things to get more press. I actually know this. You know, I don't you know, know this bit of context. context. I don't know this. I know this bit of context you're okay. about to say. Why do you, how do you know this? Look at the Wikipedia page. Oh. It says on the Wikipedia I'm page. I'm excited to hear this. Their famous quote at the time is, we will release a double album, sell 16 million copies, headline Wembley Stadium, and then break up. Okay. Now, needless to say, that didn't happen. (laughs) That that didn't happen. Um, But it does show an awful lot of intent. Yes. They wanted to, yeah, they wanted to make the quote unquote best rock album of all time and then disappear. Yeah. Because they've done their job. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Lucas, you look like you have some thoughts on that. No. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) no, no, no. I mean, they tried. It's not the best. It's not the best rock album. Rock album. I mean, and it didn't sell 16 million copies. And it sold 15.3. And they didn't headline Wembley Stadium. And they didn't break up. But it was a double album. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. they did make good on that promise. They would release a double album. And there's a part of me that wonders if it is only a double album because they said it would be. And they thought, oh, better and they write thought, some more. Well, yeah. I mean, spoiler alert, but some of the quality towards the uh, second, third, and third, third, would say that they had... The second, third, and the third, third, third. third. Some of the quality like 60% towards in. the end, yeah. I would say, dips. Okay. So Almost thing- like they're just filling for time. T- for time. Yeah. So whenever people talk about the difficult second album, it's because, obviously... 
you've had you've years used and years up and all years, your good ideas on all the your good ideas on the first one. You've had years and years and years to to write that and record that. You come to the second album and you've probably you know, what a, a matter of months to, to come up with a second album. I don't know how it works. Right? Yeah, sure. So they've obviously had years and years. They've written all these songs and they just sort of spunked it all in one go. Yeah, they've just um, been like, "Fuck it, let's all release it all at once." Yeah, because they could have released two albums, like really, but obviously, obviously not done. what they wanted to do because that's not what they were about at the time. I think. Uh, I th- uh, at the time I'm honestly not sure but looking back on their career right, they, they appear to be a band that enjoy the idea of sort of mixing things up for every album you know like exploring new things changing the way they do things um, and I think I just think releasing two albums that sounded exactly the same back to back I mean that probably wouldn't have been their thing then is there an argument that most bands would probably write 18 songs for an album Cut some, but, but only cut put twelve on. Yeah, yeah, and the rest would all be B sides. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and they just well, well, well. We suppose we don't know uh, unless I'm wrong. How many they actually wrote for this album? Well, or do they just? There are a lot on? of B sides as well. There we go. That we are not going to go into here. That's a probably important point. Actually, we might cover lipstick traces later on. Uh, we haven't discussed that yet, but we're not really going to be doing B sides unless they are particularly notable. Okay. So we might have a look at stuff like Comfort Comes. Uh, on the next uh, album, but we're not going to be, I don't think we're going to be covering any of the Generation Terrorists uh, B-sides. I mean, I've literally got a note next to a number of songs saying this should have been a B-side quality. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's probably, but I also don't know if that is partially because just because of the length that the album just starts to lose me. It's 73 minutes. Yeah. And so it gets to the point where you're just like, yep, it's another song. Here we go. Like uh, Mm. if I'd been listening to it in reverse, would the songs that I like at the start have been still have that a slog? Because I like because to because I am tired of the album. Yeah, and I like to listen to albums as full. Pe- like if I'm going on an hour drive, I can usually get through an album in that, and you can hear it as a whole piece. If you get to a point you finished your journey, I'm just trying to think of a way to put it. You're not going to then go back in to listen to I don't know track yeah. 15. To, I, uh, to I the am. End. I definitely yeah. have think, a number of albums one. where I know the first half more than the second half. Yeah. Because you hear it more in your car, and then I don't <laughs> go. I was up to track eight. I must remember that. I just stick the album on again, and then I do another journey, and I, I only think, get to track nine. I think some of that in this case is down to the sequencing as well. Like if you look at all of the singles they released from. Uh, from this album then all of them except one happen in the first seven tracks okay there you, there you yeah go. and then you've got you know 11 tracks you know from there till the end that uh, only one of which was just, a single just looking at my notes like the length of opinions i have on each song just gets shorter and towards <laughs> the end i've just got less to say is yeah. that because you're going through it and you're like i've got to write more is that just because of the way you were doing it I guess I also, though, that's a bad way of looking at it just in terms of driving because we've yeah. got to think when, you, the, when this album was released, people would listen to music in a different way. Can you listen to music in places other than your car? No. I thought, I, speakers, I, required, I I thought speakers required a car engine to, to function yeah. attached to a car. Yeah. Yeah. I have listened to music in other places, but only through headphones. So I can't tell you whether or not what you're saying is true. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Hmm. Um, what are those things behind you? What? This is your house. That's such a visual joke. So <laughs> you'd have to be so familiar with your house to understand what you're doing. Oh, you're pointing at your own speakers. I'm pointing at the speakers <laughs> what, that exist in this room. What you we're can't in. see is that Lucas has sawn a car in half. Uh, the car is in his living room. 
And it's petrol powered, which is a danger. It stinks in yeah. here. I'm surprised can't you can't hear the engine running <laughs> from the microphones. But it is it is filling with smoke, and it's it's just an unpleasant environment. I'm seeing things. Yeah, I'm seeing things. Well, just don't let them get any closer to you. They they're coming. Okay. Well, we'll check back in with you a little bit later. Okay. Um, so that quote, I I, I really <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, it's all good. Okay. I think that they honestly may, uh, like, I think they may be painting themselves into a corner by making this huge statement that they're going to release a double album and then break up. Um, And I think that is probably half the reason that it is a double album. Well, I think we'll get onto that when we go through track by track. Um, Around the time that they made that statement, they were getting a lot more press, and so they had to say things for the press. Do you know what I mean? Um, The gigs were kind of getting more violent uh, people would come because they specifically objected to something outrageous that the Manics uh, said in the press right. uh, the band would like abuse the audience back they'd smash up all their gear um, and uh, but they were still signed to Heavenly uh, and they released a version of um, You Love Us uh, early 91 well mid 91 I suppose in May Um it's slightly different to the version that's on the album in that it has some like string sampling sort of stuff. Um, I'll play a bit of it now. And that saw uh, that saw like some success. It kind of reached sixty four in the charts. I don't know if that's interesting. It's higher than anything I've released. That's true. You haven't released anything. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, and it's at that point that uh, they're becoming notorious enough to have caught the attention of perennial punk lover Steve Lamac. You both are familiar with Steve. I know Lamac. Steve Lamac. I know of him. You know of him. Cool. Um, so he goes to see them uh, in London. Right. Um, and he's not convinced by the show that they uh, put on. And he is sent by the NME to kind of give the band those reservations personally. Steve Lamac kind of interviews them after a gig and questions their motives. And I think that like there's bits of that interview, and I'm not going to read it verbatim, that are really illuminating in terms of the way that the Manics um, conduct themselves and their kind of their kind of mo, um, they talk about how the show and like dressing up and gaining hype is to attract attention to the political statements of their songs. So that's the kind of also why they say they picked rock music is that it had the broadest audience, and so right. therefore would you know more listeners would kind of be. Um, aware of their kind of political statements, this kind of like anti-capitalistic, socialist kind of bent that they have on their lyrics. Does, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Like I think one of the examples they used is that they could they could sing about homophobia, but um, wearing eyeliner and lipstick and uh, uh, making Leather comments print. on stage and, and then being abused by the audience because of that 
makes more of an impact yeah. than just singing a song about something would. It's weird that their audience would be abusing them, given that it's their audience. But is mm. this the people coming to the gigs that are expecting to see Manic Street Preachers? Well, that's the thing. They'd be like, they'd be support acts when they, or, or sometimes people. Oh, yeah, I guess you know, this talking is, earlier in their career. This is early 90s as well. And the gig going landscape completely different to today. When's the last time you went and, and saw like an up and coming or local band? When was the last time you played a gig? <laughs> yeah. well, a year and a half ago. About then, then. It's interesting yeah. that people um, had these reactions to them in the 90s when hair metal was a thing in the 80s. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Because glam rock. Glam rock, glam thing, punk, whatever. People it is. got into that. I mean, I guess. It wasn't so much the style of music, though. It right. was kind of how the Manics conducted themselves by saying outrageous sure. things. Yeah. And, you know, um, and kind of, you know. Yeah. I, I, imagine I, I suppose White Snake weren't giving out a lot of political uh, yeah, exactly. commentary on White Snake are literally referenced in my notes. Okay. Oh, weird. I said that this sounds like something 70s hair metal like White Snake. I've literally never heard White Snake. You would have heard one song. Maybe. I couldn't tell you which one right now. Okay, great. Yeah. Um, and also, I think, I, I don't think there was, re- I don't know if there was a term for it in the 90s. I suppose now it would be what you call like exploring your gender identity. Yeah. Um, that didn't happen so much. And so that was probably quite a confrontational thing to do in, in the public eye. Um, you know, uh, Nikki and Richie were both quite uh, androgynous, I suppose, like to to look at. And I think that, you know, them kind of, exploring those avenues was a very interesting thing to do but a very confusing a very confusing confrontation coming to rock yeah yeah a bunch of people who like want to you know the rockers probably aren't expecting a song like little baby nothing which is like a feminist anthem about how people uh use women for their own means and, and stuff like that you know it's and it's again like kind of i talked about it in the last episode one of the things i love about the manics is taking this really broad pop style of music and bringing in this political subversive confrontational lyrical content you know and they're kind of mirroring that in the way they conduct themselves in interviews and on stage but steve lamack felt the opposite way uh and felt that uh they were just doing it to you know just to just to make money okay become famous you know yeah yeah like you know Column inches, no, no, no press is bad press. Is that is that the phrase? Something like that. Bad press is good press. There's no such no thing su- as bad press. That's it. Ah, yeah. That's the one. No press is bad. I disagree with that statement. No. There's definitely such thing as bad press. No well, bad. yeah, I mean, when the allegations came out about you, they were, when they wrote about them in the paper, that we actually don't need to go into it, but that was definitely a definition of bad press. Yeah, how... Um, we don't actually have to go into it. No. Unless you want yeah, to comment you, now. Yeah, do you want are, to make are you allowed comment? legally? I'm allowed legally. Okay. okay. But you don't want to. It's fine. Because Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> Let's move on. Yeah, we'll move on. That's fine. For the record, there's no allegations. Uh, it's not real. Is that what we're going it's with? It's not real. Yeah, it's fine. fiction. It's fiction. Yeah, 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 okay, yeah, cool. yeah. Nothing happened. Nothing happened. <laughs> and that's what we'll... I, that's, you know, that's what you said in court, and that's what we will... We'll stick with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah they couldn't really yeah. prove. You can't prove that prove kind it. of thing. That's you can't prove true. something like heinous. So. Do you say heinous? Do you like that? I th- I think it's pronounced heinous. Are you saying anus or In penis? a com- completely unrelated note, what's that hmm? chemical that like entirely breaks down a human body? We're going to move on. Yeah. So after the interview, yeah. uh, 
Lamac, Steve Lamac. Lamac, Steve Lamac. That's his full name. Steve um, the Mac Lamac. Yeah. yeah. Talks to Richie. Uh, this is quite an infamous incident, and I know that you are aware of it vaguely, Lucas. Yes. Um, because I, I accidentally referenced it. Yes, you did. And I don't know if you are aware of it, Steve. So we're going we're gonna to go through it. And um, uh, Lamac is asking Richie, like, what is this? Are you guys, you know, I'm not convinced. Are you guys for real? And Richie just very calmly is, is talking about, yeah, we're absolutely serious about this. This is what we believe. This is how we think is the best way to deliver it. Um, we think that as a band, we have something to say and we're not just doing this for attention. And Steve Lamack realizes that as Richie is saying these things, Richie has a razor blade and is carving words into his arm. Right. And he writes the number four and the word real. So he writes for real yep. on his forearm. There's lots and lots of blood. Uh, Steve Lamack is quite obviously shocked by that. Um, and Richie is just very calmly explaining this concept of the band whilst... Um, are you comfortable looking at a picture of something like this? Sure. Um, this is what he ends up with his arm looking like. And you can kind of see how it says for real. That's, yeah. That's literally the enemy photographer just after it happened. He looks like he's really impressed with what he's just done. He looks really calm yeah. and serene. Yeah. Um, Did he have issues? He might have done. Hmm. Okay. That is that is a common um, uh, report from people who do kind of self-harm is that you feel... I mean, it releases so many endorphins into the body. Not that I think it's... Uh, a sensible way to kind of conduct yourself. I think sometimes it's it it it, it is what it is. I'm not going to make light of it, but I'm yeah. also not going to delve into it too deeply. Sure. Um, but I but, accidentally referenced that, which uh, you were briefly impressed with. Which which is yeah, you actually referenced it with the number. As yeah, well. yeah. I literally yeah. you said like, I said something about the manic. I said something, mm. and you went, "Are you being serious?" And I said, "Yeah, for real." With a four, this was yeah, in a text yeah. and conversation. I was like, "Are you?" Was that was that on purpose? That's and I was like, "That, that was, was a coincidence." Right. But that's what makes yeah. sense to anyone. But we have a group chat, the three of us. I mean, so. I think most people won't understand the concept of a of a of a chat of a thread. You guys have heard of messaging? Have you heard of messaging over your phones? <laughs> you heard of messaging <laughs> big mates? Uh, yeah, and I just said for real, and Adam was like, "Oh, is that a little little manic reference?" And I was like, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> right. Okay. Um, yeah. But yeah, he looks very calm and serene, and it's certainly something that. Um, I mean, I should point out probably at this at this point that my job is a lot to do with supporting people with kind of mental health issues and people who self harm and stuff like that. So I'm fairly familiar with the stuff that I'm talking about. I just don't want to. I don't want to gloss over it, and I don't want to talk too in depth about it because I'm going to end up making assumptions about people and things, and sure. I think that's maybe not the right way to deal no. with things. Um, he clearly started with the four and went way too deep yeah 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 um the uh the cuts ended up needing 17 stitches jesus christ yeah now what do you think about that <laughs> as a as an event as something that happened what do you think about it the thing is there's like two ways you could either be like wow he really is for real mm-hmm. yeah he really means what he means or, or is it he's willing to take this act really far 
Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't clear anything up. No. No. All it, it does is... It's, it's another example of them being big and... Showy. Showy, yes. Yeah, because then they took loads of photos of it and put it in the press and talked about it. Well, interestingly, the enemy um, had a large discussion over whether or not it was appropriate to um, publish that in the yeah. magazine. Um, in fact, uh, I mean, the thing is, either way, wh- whether it he did it because it's genuinely how he felt about the band or he did it because it's part of the showiness of it, it is an alarming red flag. Yeah. Um, Be, that Being that willing. Yeah. Just to carve your arm up. Yeah. Uh, the, the reports are, you know, at the time that the band just fucking loved it. Just thought right. it was thought it was really cool. Yeah, yeah. I don't think at the time there was, you know, maybe as much awareness around sort of mental health issues and, and stuff like that. And it just looks very rock and roll. It is. Which very is weird rock because rock and roll they killed it. Oh, well, at the end of Yeah, well that's the thing is is that it actually doesn't exist anymore. Cuz at the end of Motown it. Junk, they killed they rock and roll. They, they destroyed, destroyed rock, and rock and roll. So I don't really know how hmm. they do they revive it. I guess the, the canon thing, doesn't line up. The thing, yeah, maybe, the law. Maybe the I don't know. Are the Manix time travelers? Did they go? Is it like a Terminator situation where they went back in time and released Motown Junk in order to destroy rock and roll? Now it is great. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, I mean, I mean, some, some people deemed it the ultimate artistic expression. Um, which is part of the discussion that the enemy had. And obviously the Manic Street Preachers also used it as a publicity sort of thing. Sure. Um, they actually released as a B-side the audio recording of the discussion in the NME office. Right, okay. About whether or not they should publish the photo. In the end, they did, full page, in colour. Right. Um, <laughs> because it's the NME. Yeah. And, you know, they wanted them to buy the magazine. Um, but definitely an alarming an alarming thing to do. I think it stuck with Steve Lamack quite a while. And, uh, but I don't know that it convinced him. Do you know what I mean? Do you think it would convince you? Well, this is what we were just saying, is it still kind of show, goes into that rock and roll act. He's almost proving Steve Lamac right. Right, yeah, yeah, I see what you mean. Uh, I don't know. No, I know. I, I get what you're saying. It's, it's like we said Obviously, earlier, like what, now we know what we know is that the guy wasn't well. And, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, shortly after that, they are signed to Columbia Records, which is a division of Sony now. Um, they are paid £250,000 for that record label, quarter of a million, they are instantly accused of selling out, <laughs> as, as as you would, um, as you would be if you were a punk band uh, trying to, you know, uh, say some things about capitalism and then accepting quarter of a million pound for a, a big corporate. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But also, it'd be quite nice to have that much money, wouldn't it? You're not going to turn it Just down. Take it, yeah. Uh, James Dean Bradfield. Uh, Steve's doing the rubbing your fingers. Oh, yeah. for money. For money, he's talking yeah. about money. Like that. Symbol. James Dean Bradfield went out and bought an £800 white Les Paul, which he destroyed at that night's gig. Brilliant. Which I think we can all agree is pretty cool. That's pretty cool. That is pretty pretty cool. cool. (laughs) Um, He plays a white Les Paul quite a lot, doesn't he? I noticed. That is like his guitar. I have one. Uh, I I have Les Paul. I'm not saying the same one. Because, yeah. But I have a white Les Paul Junior. 
You have an you have the Epiphone, right? I I, I have an Epiphone yeah, I'm not, Les Paul I'm not white money. custom because that is uh, can we smash it? <laughs> that that's that's an interesting level of my fandom. Is that my first guitar was the one that's you know, like the cheaper version of the one James Dean Bradfield has. Here's an interesting fact. Tell me if this is interesting. He nearly he wasn't uh, originally going to be called James Dean Bradfield. His dad wanted to call him Clint Eastwood Bradfield. Great. Is that interesting? <laughs> I mean, yeah. It would have been different. Yeah. <laughs> um, so after they get signed, and obviously the uh, the the razor blade incident is still fresh in everybody's mind, they're getting more and more press for like their raucous gigs. I have some headlines here. One from the Daily Star: High priests of punk, manic revival of a rock religion. Mm. Yeah. Whoa. You like that? It's you like, sound like Ted Moore. <laughs> Ted Moore from Brasai. <laughs> Here's one from the Daily Mail: Is rock music destroying our children? Yeah, it is. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah it yeah, absolutely yeah, yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. Sounds about right for the Daily Mail. <laughs> Sorry, Steve. You no, I like. Have to, I you, like. Uh, I you think have to be balanced. Daily Mail is terrible, but also it's really great. Good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you, civil servant That's Steve. Good job being politically um, balanced. Mm. But you know, lo- lots of lots of column inches uh, for the Manchester creatures. They were kind of um, portrayed as like a. A cult rather than a band, not even just a cult band, like an actual cult. Uh, people started, um, you know, like, I think we talked about it last episode, like dressing up like them for the gigs. Did they get people carving for you into their own arms? That sort Pe- of thing? People used to draw it on in Sharpie, Fine. which I think uh, is not as... Uh, it's uh, not the same. It's, yeah, it's not as rock and roll. It's not as uh, strong a statement. Sure. <laughs> um, I imagine a few people got it tattooed. I wouldn't. I mean, that probably that happened. Seems like something a Manix fan would do. Yeah. Uh, we'll what's get, that on your arm? What? Uh, that. Um, that's my new tattoo. So it says was a number. Uh, it's five real. It's one more <laughs> than four real. I'm it's a really lot more serious. Real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. Uh, they spent June and July of uh, 1991 recording. Um, they. I like it. <laughs> this doesn't really add any context. It just it's just something I like about the Manitri preachers. They trashed the stage at a Cambridge college and denounced the monarchy, some of whom were in attendance. Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> I just like that. I just like that they're uh, little little punk boys. Um Naughty Naughty little naughty punk boys. boys. Naughty little punk naughty boys. Naughty little boys. Oh, oh the Manics are naughty little boys. <laughs> Uh, they released their first single from Generation Terrorist on the 29th of July 1991 and it was Stay Beautiful which is an absolute banger but we don't have to get onto that just yet it de- debuted at number 44 in the charts and it peaked at number 40 and this starts um, the run of top 40 singles that they hold the record for they have 34 consecutive singles all entering the top 40 and that doesn't end until 2010. The last one is It's Not War, Just the End of Love from Postcards from a Young Man, which we'll get on to in about five years' time. Um, but that's a pretty incredible record to hold. 34 consecutive top 40 hits. Dece. Dece. Absolutely decent, yeah. And, um, uh, it just, it just, I think that just shows that like they've been permanently relevant or have had a pretty rabid fan base that just will buy physical music still, I suppose. Um, when did singles, when did uh, the top 40 start, including streams? I can't remember. When did it start, including streams? Actually, I was... Before or after that I think it was, was around gone. 2008. 
So fairly soon after the streaming thing, they didn't reach yeah. the top 40. Yeah. Because at that point, it becomes, how does it even work? I think the first um, top 10... That, do, you, do you know what? It wasn't streaming. It was downloads that came first. And That's that was 2008. iTunes. Remember iTunes? Off of iTunes. Um, the, the first... Someone's going to fact check me on this. And if, you know, get on Twitter if, if I'm completely wrong about this. But I believe that the first top 10 that was all from just downloads uh, was in the beginning of 2009. But I might be wrong about that. So they stopped including physical. I know nothing Are about physical this, singles even a thing anymore? I don't think they release physical singles, oh, singles anymore. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. yeah. How does the charts even work now? Because if, you know. Well, it's trending now. Is it now just trend? Because obviously, yeah, you I know, because the... I, I imagine. Billy Jean by Michael Jackson is one of the most top stream songs every month, every week, just because it's a massive song by a massive artist. We didn't know Adam. That so, wasn't me. So does that make Think it? We all... invoked the ghost of Michael Jackson. Oh, <laughs> I'm pretty sure he goes he he. Yeah, I'd, he would know. I don't know. He's doing it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But you're right. Billy Jean could enter the charts if yeah. enough people streamed happen, or downloaded like, it. Yeah, I don't know. Get up, get up the top ten. Oh, I can't be bothered. Jermaine. Okay, saying the name of his brother there. Still, <laughs> still going, is it? I, I, we can't stop the ghost of Michael Jackson. He is. No one can stop the ghost of Michael Jackson. <laughs> or the living Michael Jackson. <laughs> right. Uh, the media absolutely love the Manic Street Preachers, um, as you can imagine. Like they just fill so many column inches at this point. Mm. They spent August to December. 1991 recording at the Black Barn Studios, which is a cottage near Guildford. Um, <laughs> they're recording with, with Steve Brown. Um, so this is where we get onto the album. Mm. Uh, they were scheduled to record for eight weeks and were budgeted for £400,000. Okay. You would never receive that budget to record an album today. Um, I did. Really? Yeah. How okay. is your album going? Who from? Like, let's see how the album is going. Um, it was... Oh. Famously, you've had to burn a lot of the masters. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was going to say the Famously. name of the... Uh, the name of the... What's the name of your album? Record label that we... The Steve likes. The 6 out of 10, but I've forgotten it. Great. <laughs> well, they're a management and PR company. Ah, well, yeah, let's yeah, move yeah. on then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> Can I even commit to my own bit? Yeah. <laughs> commit the bit. They 2019. Are, they are scheduled for eight weeks worth of recording. They do it in 23 weeks. Oh, okay. Yeah, I thought you were going to say less. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I no. thought you were going to say they just smashed it out. 23 weeks it took them to and record this And how much did it album. cost? Uh, they were budgeted for 400,000. They did it for half a million. 500,000. This is a half a million pound record. Okay. Yeah. Isn't that absolutely mad? But I think it does go some way to kind of um, showing that they were perfectionists. They could have done it in less time if they'd like trimmed the track list by about... Half sixty percent. We're gonna piss a lot of fans. Uh, off. J- just before they released the album, they released a couple more singles. They re- they released "Repeat," uh, the UK one, um, and second best song on the album. And "Loves Sweet uh, Exile" as a double A side. And they also released the new "You Love Us." Um, they peaked at twenty six and sixteen, uh, respectively. Is chart information interesting to people? 
It does. I mean, at the time that they released this stuff, it does show how popular they were, right? Yeah, I mean, go in, we can we can talk about it. Sure. Yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah. It's released on the 10th of February, 1992, Generation Terrorists. It's 18 tracks and 73 minutes long. It's produced by Steve Brown. Uh, and it sold 250,000 copies initially. Um, Is that a lot? Yeah, I've it's, got no context here of what, uh, yeah. what is good. It's slightly less than the 16 million they wanted to sell. Well, that's true. Oh, you mean total? You don't mean it opened to? Uh, I don't have, like, the, the way they record... Um, I mean, it won't have even sold 16 million now. I believe that the Manics have sold 5 million across their career. Of of all albums? Yeah. Right, it's a bit less. Or it might, that might be for one album. I haven't got that far in my research yet. They either they either sold five million yeah, copies. You put no work into this, Adam. <laughs> yeah, these reams of notes. Yeah, <laughs> just all me saying. It's I don't know anything scroll. about Manic Street Preachers. <laughs> um, they either sold five million copies of This Is My Truth, Tell Me Yours, or they've sold five million copies across their career. I can't remember which it is. I heard, I was listening to an interview the other day. They said something about five million. They might have been talking about something else. And now he's going to hate himself forever yeah. for not getting this right. I'm going to. Look on Twitter. Fact check me on Twitter. That's my new song. Um, interestingly, only 35,000 copies were sold in the US. And I used the word interestingly, you know, really... Fast and loose. Yeah, real fast yeah, yeah. and loose with the word interesting. Um, the Manic Street Preachers have sold more than 10 million albums worldwide. You've got a really good voice. That sounded amazing. Oh my God. More than 10 million albums worldwide. According to Wikipedia. Okay. Promo cool. code. Thank you, Dean. Promo code Mannix. Um, so let's talk about... Well, how, I mean, where do we want to start with... Oh, the uh, beginning. <laughs> let's start with the artwork. Um, here we go. I have a nice big copy of it here. What do we think of this artwork? Richie has that tattoo. That is Richie's different arm. different words. That's Richie's arm, yeah. yeah but, but it says words. useless generation. Yes. Yeah. I know that. So what is that? Did he change the tattoo? No, no, no. I think they probably did it on Photoshop. Yeah. Or whatever the <laughs> I don't 90s, think Photoshop existed. Whatever the 90s like equivalent of Photoshop is. Oh, I mean, it's, it's, it's got, rock and roll. It's got a tattoo. It's got a crucifix. It's, it's got a pretty hairless chest. Nipple. Yeah. It doesn't do much for me, I'm going to be honest. Nah, it's not really much to say. It's not the most striking thing. Um, I think, like you say, it's that tattoo's quite rock and roll. Um the crucifix is. I think quite it cool. matches the album. Yeah, it does suit though. the album. I suppose so. Yeah, that's true. I wish the background weren't basically the same color as his flesh. Um, oh. I mean, it takes up about three percent of the yeah. album cover, but it uh, annoys me nonetheless. It was originally oh. much more pink than the version I'm showing you, but I can't remember if I think that's to do with the printing issue. Um, and the back cover is. Very much like the it's the EP. new art riot artwork, but on, but on fire, fire, kind of. Yeah, um, every Manic Street Preachers uh, album uh, comes with a quote attached to it, um, but I don't have the original version. I've only got this mad special edition, so I've got absolutely no idea which quote was originally uh, included with the album. You glad to bring that up then? Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. It's you could see you me up something so that you can fail. <laughs> You see me frantically rifling through the contents of the special edition going, actually, I don't know, I don't know what I'm talking about. Um, but everything they released has like some kind of philosophical 
quote on it or a, a quote from an artist or a quote from a politician. Um, I think you will find it on one of the new Art Riot things I think that Steve's just picked up. Um, that, it's, got about, it's got about three or four quotes. Yeah. Cool. Um, I uh, have learned probably more from Manic Street Preachers, Steve's, than I've learned from anywhere else. Um, you know, quotes like uh, the one that they put on the Holy Bible and stuff like that are, are the reason that I was a fucking wanky, pretentious 17 year old on a bus reading Thus Spake Zarathustra by Nietzsche and stuff like that. Um, you've got to be pretentious in your teenage years, I think. Sure. When is that supposed to stop? Because I'm really pushing it. Yeah, I'm yeah. no longer yeah, a teenager. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Do you like my beret? I, I love your beret. Thanks. I mean, it looks very similar to a baseball cap. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's like got a, yeah. a hard peak on it, and it's blue. Uh, You're having it? a hard peak at it. Mm. it I've got nice. a, I've got a hard peak. <laughs> Track one, slash and burn. Hang on, hang on, <laughs> hang on, hang on, hang on. <laughs> um, just generally, Richie doesn't play on this album at all. Really? Yeah. Like on the recording of. Yeah. Sure. Um, I don't think Nicky plays on this album. Right, so they've given £400,000 to record an album and two of the band members didn't bother. And all of the drums are electronic. Really? Yep. There is no live drummer on this album. Okay. So Now I want to listen to it again. Yeah. Well, we're going to play a clip in a minute. In many ways, this is a James Dean Bradfield solo album. Yeah. Because anything musical that happens on the album, he did. I believe. So what were the, uh, Okay. <laughs> yeah. What so, did the rest of them do? Well, Nicky and Richie do all the lyrics. Yeah. And um, uh, the drums were programmed by Sean Moore. Don't. No, 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 no. No, because we're not, we're not there. We've been mulling it over and we're just, there is something there that the, Sean Moore, Sean. there is something there, but I'm the, not, yeah. I'm not Sean Moore. I will just. <laughs> no. Lucas is shaking his head, but we, I think that's closer. Do you want less of that? Do you want less of that? Do you want less or of that? Do you want, do you want, do you want more? more? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think uh, like, James has talked. Did he programmed the drums. Okay. Yeah. Who did? Sean Moore. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, um, James has talked about how like I mean, a Moore's like a field. There's something there. Actually, something there is there, maybe something there. Yeah. Sheep's live in field. Please move on. Sheep's. 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 Um, Richie wasn't much use in the studio according to James I think that's probably not what he said I just, just what I've written in my notes not much use so I, I don't think that's probably what he, I'm not quoting him his mental health was uh, probably uh, it was quite poor at the time he'd often kind of just sit in the studio and uh, cry which is probably one of the more emo things I've ever heard um, and he would also go on shopping sprees and play Mega Drive which is actually cool that sounds quite nice that's great yeah, yeah. Um, so I kind of see him as like, I mean, he's been quoted as saying that the guitar is the ultimate fashion accessory. So I kind of see him. Do you guys know the Happy Mondays? I'm aware of them. Do you know Bez? Bez, yeah. Yeah. Bez kind of represents. Yeah, yeah. He kind of represents everything that Happy Mondays is. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think Richie is the same for the Mannix. He's kind of represented. He kind of represented. He was the kind of rock and roll mascot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's exactly how I'd say it. I wonder how he'd feel being compared to Bez. Um, who's generally well, not considered, you know, he's not 
Didn't he run for, like, wasn't he a politician at one point? Who, Bez? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Lucas is unbridled <laughs> anger. <laughs> I once saw Bez outside a Glastonbury toilet. There you go. Wow. Are you happy with that? Fact? Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Makes sense he wouldn't be backstage because it's not significant enough. Mm. He has his, well, he had his own stage at Glastonbury. What? Bez's yeah, Bez. acid house. Yeah. Yeah, the I vastly ground, underestimated Bez. <laughs> yeah, Bez is a bit of a legend. I, I, I mean, I see him as just a bit of a at Glastonbury joke. one year. Um, they opened the pyramid stage with um, Hacienda Classical, so it was all of the like eighties and early nineties kind of like um, you know the club, the Hacienda that uh, Joy Division uh, New Order opened. So it'd be all of those like club classics from around that time, but they were played with an orchestra. Okay. And they still had Bez. Yeah. <laughs> so he was just on stage. He, he, yeah, he was just Bez. on stage, but it was like some like cool classical music going on, and Bez is still there, just like having an absolutely mad one. Yeah, that was one of the highlights of that festival. I saw Fatboy Slim do basically the exact same set, which was really club classics with an orchestra. Mm. Yeah, fine. I think Pete Tong does that as well. No, it was, it was Pete Tong that I saw. It wasn't Fatboy Slim. <laughs> <laughs> it was there DJs, so. Yeah. yeah, nearly. That's true. Yeah. All right, all right, all right. Shall we? I think we shall. So, uh, strap in. Just to get real meta. General thoughts. Yeah. I think that this album is charming. I think it is a charming mess. Okay. I think it is. We've alluded to it. It's obviously too long. Yeah. But. Have I, we alluded to that yet? I think so. Oh. But I think... Why do I... Yeah, but the more we talk about it, it becomes so more endearing charming. how yeah, ridiculous it's so it is. endearing that, that it's such a, like, overblown extravagance. Yeah. Now, I'm like, someone yeah. who loves overblown extravagance in my music. In your music. You like pop. Because he likes the band Muse. Yeah, yeah. who yeah. are known for their overblown extravagance. Yeah. That's true. For better or worse. Sure. I feel like there's a there's a however coming. Well, I can't imagine, I don't know, of whatever the muse do, the Manics coming down on a UFO and then firing fireworks out of their cocks. That's never, yeah, that was a weird bit of the DV, muse DVD, wasn't <laughs> <Yeah>. it? <laughs> but did that happen? Yeah. What? We, oh, man- I, we, managed I completely made we managed to convince Steve two days ago that muse <laughs> had grown a, a fan fig, a giant fig. <laughs> For their fans, all because I mistyped the word gig. <laughs> I mean, you wouldn't put it past them, would you? Uh, I would. That okay. is actually, yeah, I mean. But yeah. then you said you had some of the fig and you ate it. I. <laughs> and I thought, how big, how many fans do they have? <laughs> oh, God. Okay. That should be. Uh, yeah, overblown extravagance. But it. Well, it's the same thing. It's just that it. There's not enough. To keep me high, it doesn't keep me high. Yeah, for eighteen yeah. tracks, I get that. And I think that I, I, I don't. I don't want to spend loads of time um, comparing the Manitou Preachers to Muse. <laughs> I mean, it's a weird comparison to make. Yeah, but I think that when when Muse do their overblown extravagance, there is actually quite a lot of variety there. And the way that they use their overblown extravagance is that they'll have a heavy song um, next to a more classical. Next to, a, music. next to a pop song. Yeah, next, next to, to a, a techno song. Yeah, exactly. Literally, what I wrote here is too long. If your album is going to be 18 tracks, it best have 
some variety yeah. in the tracks. The production and is there's an issue, not. I think. It's, oh, it's another sort of punky hair metal sounding song. Yeah. There could be sections another one. from one song in another one and you wouldn't have known. Yeah. And so my notes towards the end of this do start to get like, oh, yeah. It's another one of these. Yep. It's a bit like... And then there's standout tracks that I do really like. But then there's ones that are just like, yeah, it's another one. Yeah. It's a B-side. It's just it like, is, it's all right. It is quite a samey album. Yeah. And after we've finished recording this episode of the podcast, I won't be rushing back to the whole album in a hurry. Sure. Do you know what I mean? I, I'm never going to be like, oh, I'm just going to actually just stick on Generation Terrorists. Yeah. Well, that and the fact that you're going to have a load of homework to listen to the next three albums. <laughs> well, yeah, but it's not as much homework as it is for me, like, uh, you know, for me as it is for you. Are we doing um, the episode as the first half of the double album? What are we doing? See where we go. We'll see, we'll see how much time we have. No, that's fine. I, mean, I just wondered if, if it's supposed to be seen as two pieces. You are alluding to the, the fact that we're already at an hour and we haven't started tackling the 18-track album yet. Uh, so, yeah, we might yeah. have to split it into two episodes, I suppose. If we need to split it, we just split it at a random point in time. Yeah, like halfway through a word. We just get to exactly the halfway point and we just <laughs> we say the word it Sean. and then we <laughs> carry on with the next one, in even theory, if it's midway through a word. In theory, they split it exactly in half. And the vinyl, the original release, is split up between Tennessee and Another Invented Disease. Nine tracks on each, quote-unquote, half of the album. Sure. First half's better. I agree. I agree that the first half of this album is stronger than the second half. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. They spunk their load too early. I'm not thrilled with that um, turn of phrase, to be honest. Well, it's funny, because actually, I stole it from a quote from a review oh really of the album oh my you did background research i did it you says enlightened me. it says it had uh, this is by the way the quietus okay okay respected internet journalism it had to sound passe it had to be overdone if you're trying to bulldoze the shiny shiny edifice of western pop culture you can't do it tastefully or with subtlety can you da, 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 da. generation terrorists intentionally overplays its hand, overeggs its pudding, and spunks its load at every turn. <laughs> so that is... Which uh, I sort of agree with. It's very, like, it's not subtle. It's not a subtle album. Oh, no. No, no, no. But then it's the Manic Street Preachers. Yeah. You know, like, subtlety uh, at this point of their career is not something that they are... Have yet discovered. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> not something they, something they have yet to discover. Um, let, let, let's start with the first track. If we're getting into it, unless we have anything more to say generally. No? Okay. Let's do a thing. This is uh, Slash and Burn.
slash and burn. So there you go. Now, now you know about the drums. So what what uh, what are you thinking there? Uh, I'd forgotten. I okay, good. Wasn't listening. Good shit. Oh, yeah. I was too busy throwing up the horns. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We had our arms in the air because that song. That a is a mosh, that song's it? a bit of a throw up your horns. Yeah, absolutely. Like, good start to an album. Great. Start yeah, to but, an album. yeah. Firstly, like cool riff. Yeah, yeah. cool exactly. riff. Yeah, yeah. It's, Just, it's very Guns and Roses. Yeah, it's yeah. very like seventies. Yeah, hair metal sort of. Much clearer vocals. Much clearer everything. I'm assuming that. <laughs> I'm assuming you could pick out a few of those lyrics. slash and burn yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. kill to live kill for kicks uh cowbell oh there's, a, which lot there's a lot of in Quite a lot of cowbell in this album and I've, absolutely. i'm very happy about that an, an absolute staple of uh the rock vibe they were going for is the cowbell yeah uh, i wrote uh p rock gta vice city was it called p rock no it's called v rock yeah uh yeah p rock it... was a channel on um, sky yeah, it was was it I never. I didn't have Sky. But it just, just sounds like the sort of thing you'd hear yeah. on the V Rock channel of Grand Theft Auto, which Vice Guns N' Roses was on. So that makes sense. And there, well, was, the... and there was a Guns N' Roses piss take band in that game. Love Fist called Love Fist. Oh yeah. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I mean, the the song's called Slash and Burn. Oh, uh, so that is you know a little something. Well, you alluded to earlier when Guns we were talking Roses. before yeah. about his little ah, thing he does. Ah, ah, ah. Yeah, yeah. Although Axel Rose, that's also that's in, an Axel Rose. Thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. In a whole lot of love by Led Zeppelin, he oh. does a little breakdown where he just sort of enjoys oh, himself. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, on mic. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's lots of um, uh, you know they wear their influences on their sleeve for sure. Um, this is very Guns and Roses. Um, I, I, I mean, it's worth noting that even at the time that this was released, the sound of this album was dated and i think right okay you know, like it, w- it was a throwback album release, even yeah. in 1992 okay like it is a throwback to kind of early 80s maybe late 70s maybe late 80s like hair metal yeah. But, yeah, but, yeah. but it had it had already gone out of fashion a little bit that's why this album surprised me a lot because i was expecting as discussed earlier dad rock yeah, yeah. and it wasn't that but right. it, I, what i expected definitely wasn't dad metal hair metal yeah, yeah yeah like didn't picture that in my head um i think it does uh as a song it does a i think it, like you say it's a really good opening to an album because i think it introduces the, the sound uh, for that album the sound and the themes as well though okay like the kind of the uh i think you know the first line you need your stars even killers have prestige um, kind of alludes to this idea of like hero worship, you know, stars as in movie stars. Yeah. And even killers have prestige, you know, the, there's so much attention given to even like murder. So even murderers are celebrities. Yeah. You know, they're really kind of already like, uh, kind of putting their stall out there about how they feel about things, access to a living. You will not see, you know, the kind of looking at the inside lives of, celebrities is it i mean is there is it very on the nose i haven't gone too deep into lyrics of this is this about slash and burn as in the agricultural way i think that's what it's alluding to sure like that is the phrase they're not yeah yeah that the phrase is more about cutting down of of this about deforestation isn't yeah, it? yeah yeah um but i think you know um yeah i, uh, I suppose I, you can use that phrase for you can, but you're onto something. I mean, they, they talk about um, 
in, in the second verse, they talk about worms in the garden more real than a McDonald's, which again is not a lyric that should have ever been sung. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know how they managed to turn that into a song. Um, Drain your blood and let the exon spill in, like, like referencing the oil sort of uh, spills at the time and, and the way that um, capitalism is uh, encroaching on nature. So it's really still about that kind of patchwork uh, thing you're talking about earlier. The kind of collage sort of lyrics, yeah. Last week about, yeah, just yeah. about how it's a lot, about a lot of things rather than this song is about deforestation. Right, like, although it is, it is, you know, making reference to... Yeah. Um, you know the, the 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 encroachment on nature from our capitalistic sort of tendencies. Do you know what's a bummer? What this song's still pretty relevant. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's pretty I mean, sad, isn't it? I think a <laughs> yeah. lot of it's going to be. Um, it's still pretty relevant, and that's sad. Yeah. Uh, I mean, when like that—that's the thing about um, capitalism—is that it it rages on. You know, um, I I'd still find the Manics to be. Uh, a, a relevant band with yeah. uh, with things to say. Not to jump the gun, are they still doing songs like this? Are they still political in yes. their songwriting, They're even still, in 2019 or whenever they, they are still recorded? addressing issues and political things? They're no longer doing it under the guise of like hair metal. Yeah, <laughs> but the lyrical content is still there. Yeah, and it and I, it always has been, and I think it always will be. Um, the, I mean, when they when they do um, sadly lose Richie, the tone of the lyrics changes. Um, I think you'll see that it, it becomes more um, about um, a person's uh, personal experience with those kind of political issues, because this is very much like this is almost written by someone on the outside of a world looking in. Do you know what I mean? And just like pointing out things that they've noticed. Mm. Whereas later lyrics are kind of a person's experience living in that world. Does that make sense? Yeah, I yeah. get that. Yeah. But but this actually, like a lot of this feels quite um, disconnected from what they're talking about. It's high level. It's talking about the grander yeah, exactly. issues. Things not, be bad. Not here's how I feel. Things be bad. Yeah. It was probably actually probably would have been a better title for the it album. Things be bad. Things, things be bad. Things be bad. Uh, Madonna drinks Coke and so you can too. Tastes real good, not like a sweet poison should. Now that actually sounds like a lyric. Yeah. Tastes real good, not like a sweet poison should. I mean, it even rhymes. I'm drinking a can of Coke right now. Madonna drinks Coke and so you can too doesn't rhyme. Is that important to you? No. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm just looking at the lyrics here on um, on. Uh, Genius.com. I like how Genius.com actually includes the... Uh, 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 Does it? <laughs> yeah, that's yep. exactly what I was going to say. Uh, politics, here's death, and God is safe for sex. Uh, 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 uh. Stay uh, alive. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's got a great riff at 2.50. But you know what? I wrote down 2.40. Let's see what's, let's see what's going on at uh, 2.40 and 2.50. Throwing up the horns again—that was uh, that is satisfying, isn't it? 
that is satisfying. I haven't done that in yeah, years. Good riff. <laughs> <laughs> good. Have you ever been at a gig and and put the horns? I have. I unironically. Like, unironically. I've, yeah, I've, my younger years. Put the. Uh, he says as a thirty-year-old. <laughs> I've unironically put the horns up at Manic's gigs for sure. I've unironically, I've unironically put the horns up at many a gig. Hmm. Many a gig. Like heavy bands, like when I was younger. Jacob, many a gig. Track two. Track two. Let's <laughs> just really swiftly move on from that. Um, uh, the absolutely inscrutably titled NatWest Barclays Midlands Lloyds. I feel underrepresented by this song. Why? I bank with HSBC. Shut yeah, I'm Barclays, Midlands, Lloyds. Yeah, it's um, about some banks, isn't it? Is Midlands Lloyds still a bank? Uh, Wait, Midlands is Midlands Bank still a bank? No, isn't it now Lloyds TSB? Oh, no, Lloyd's TSB isn't a thing anymore. There's Lloyds and TSB now. Well, shit, they split again. This song's I mean dated. No, yeah, I, no. I mean well. it isn't. It isn't. Talk about pressure. Like talk about still being relevant. This is um, all about like how we're using too much credit and no one can afford to pay back their loans and we're in we're in line for a financial crisis you know and this was written in 1992 mm. turned out to be very relevant um 90s was definitely like a time of very lots, decadent spending. Lots of spending yeah and this is kind of attacking the corrupt nature of banking practices you don't get a lot of uh Rank songs based. attacking the, <laughs> the nature of banking practices. I do, I do wish. Um, I mean, I'll start us off. I do wish that uh, <laughs> they hadn't been quite so on the nose with the chorus. Networths and Lloyd's, yeah, it, they're like, banks. It's absolutely mad that, that that is the chorus of this song. Yeah, that they're just shouting Natwest, Barclays, Midlands, Lloyd's. Yeah. Um. Is it on the flip side, to say about me the as person who doesn't read lyrics meant I got what the song was about fairly quickly. Oh yeah, that's true. I suppose. Yeah, I was like, oh, this song's definitely about banking. That was, that was, that I mean, it's not that about. Much is clear. <laughs> it's not about. Going no, it's about like good practices. Cashing in a check. <laughs> yeah, it's about putting. It's in about checks. personal finance. It's yeah. about responsible personal finance. Yeah. Uh, I I wrote that. Uh, this is the song that I think when I said earlier, uh, you play people this and you can tell they wear. Leopard print. Right. Really? Yeah. Just from the 
just the just the style. You know, not necessarily the lyrics, yeah, but just but like the style that, of the music. That, I'm like, if you play this to someone, they're picturing leopard print. Yeah, that riff is very the. Yeah, and the. It's just. Were we just doing Live and Let Die? No. Oh. No, that's the poor man. No, 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 Good song. Yeah, good song. Paul McCartney's just been announced for Glastonbury. Dating when we record this, but uh, yeah. Did you know that? Nope. Did you yeah. not? Nope. Oh. Maka. Won't be able to go. On the I've pyramid. seen him live before, though, so don't worry Was about he that. good? Because I've not seen him before. He was fucking excellent. Uh, Lucas, I'll tell you right now that I was not worried about it. <laughs> I wasn't losing any sleep about you not making it to Glastonbury. I would like to come, but I've now got to pay for a fucking wedding, haven't I? I mean, <laughs> I mean that's all on you. I mean, you really don't sound happy about this. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, so, I mean, a very forward, uh, you know, thinking song. They give and take away, repossess and crucify. The more you own, the more you are, which I think is a very, uh, it sounds like something someone would say in Fight Club. <laughs> the more you own, the more you are. Yeah, yeah. Is it the more you earn or the more you own? The more you own. The more you are. And then at the end, they uh, they uh, say that prosperity is the mind camp for beginners. Wow. Which... I'm actually, I'm actually really not sure what they're saying there. <laughs> Are they saying that if you follow the capitalist trajectory, like prosperity of trying to gain as much wealth, that that, that you're taking a slow, the slow route, slow to route towards becoming a Nazi? Maybe. I mean, it might I mean, be another po- one. Is of it those... Poe's law? Poe's law. Poe's law. Is it Poe's law about is what Poe's about law? mentioning the Nazis? Oh, well, we're an hour and a quarter in, so I feel that that's... That's all right. Yeah, that's enough time. That's mm-hmm. fine. Steve, how, as a civil servant, how do you feel about the Nazis? Yeah, Real bad. Mind, you have to be uh, balanced. No, to be balanced. Real bad. No, you can, yeah. this is one where you're going to you stay. You do need to be balanced. No, I'm going to go mad on this one, so Nazi bad. Okay, well, just, you know, just I suppose if anybody from the civil service or, or Steve's boss is listening, obviously his opinions are his own and don't represent the opinions of the podcast. Yeah. Although in this instance, they do represent the opinions of the podcast. Yeah, let's make that very clear. Yeah, let's make that Yeah, a stance, the official stance clear. of this podcast on yeah. Nazism is... Absolutely. Real bad. Bad. Lucas does not want to be back in court. <laughs> <laughs> Especially not as related to what we've well, been yeah, talking exactly, about. Well, like yeah, exactly, exactly. Um... What's the best like air freshener? What? What? Like to like cover up the smell of a okay rotting Steve, corpse. Steve. Oh, Steve. Uh, your yeah, thoughts yeah, on this song? Uh, <clears throat> uh, on mic, if you don't mind. Uh, yeah, There's a long uh, silence there. I'll, I'll, about, edit, I'll edit this. It's fine. About banks. <laughs> it is about banks. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So not not that many feelings on this. No, song. I don't. Um, I don't like the chorus. Yeah, <laughs> it's actually pretty it's annoying. Like, I, think no, 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 no. I think it comes too early in the album as well. Yeah, I, I mean, it's certainly making a statement, and you'll yeah. remember that song. I I mainly remember it because of how silly the chorus is. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I think the piano I don't have much else to say about it. Oh, go on. In the in the outro, doesn't land. Right, yeah. I think it's just out of place. doesn't really fit. doesn't just sort of... They were just like, oh, let's put some piano in. There's quite a lot of like... Um, out of placeness. Cheesy-esque piano on this yeah. album. And sometimes I think it really works. Yeah, there's times where it fits and there's other times where it... Uh, yeah, it just doesn't fit. Yeah. And this is one of those times where I was just like, didn't need that. I think you probably could have done without that. I mean, uh, I think this is the case on a few of the songs on Generation Terrorist, uh, is that it doesn't massively hold up 
to any kind of critical analysis because it, you know some of them it's very obvious what they're about do you know what I mean there, there's not much work we can do to interpret a song called Nat West Barkley's Midlands Lloyds because as Steve so eloquently put it's about banks in it <laughs> do you know what I mean like there's not not an awful lot to say about that Nat West is a bank yeah Lloyds is a bank yeah yeah the list goes on what about Barclays actually thinking about it Barclays is a bank about Midlands is it still a bank god they make you think they do <laughs> that's the power of music the power of music is they can make oh. you question what banks are still and remind us functional what, what and remind us what music is and, what, and remind us what banks are yeah <laughs> Okay. Uh, Lucas, to you. So last week it was, what is music? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This week I have to, to tell you what a bank what is. What is a bank? What is it really, though? It's uh, a place oh, amazing. So where you get song, your Lucas. money from and give them money yeah, 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 to yeah, yeah, look yeah, yeah. after yeah. it. You guys know that I used to work in Barclays, right? Uh, yep. Do you know, uh, the, the biggest thing that I was surprised by mm-hmm. um, when I work in a bank is how little money there is in a bank. Right, okay. We had about... 20 grand at a time. Yeah, Sweet. that doesn't really surprise me. And like where did you keep it in bank? bank? Oh, kept it in the safe. Yeah, where's the safe in it's, the building? Uh, huh? I don't think I'm legally allowed to tell you. Is it over there? How does yeah. it... Ha- what, ha- <laughs> like, who there. has access yeah. to this safe? <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm obviously not going to go through the... Uh, it's fine. It's just the the security of the bank. but planning we, something else. It, <laughs> w- it was part of I our, don't need to be in court again. It was part of... God, it was part of our training that um, we had to like drive home. We had to have like six or seven different routes to drive home because we couldn't have people like casing the bank, like following us home or getting used to our routes or anything like that. Wow. In case they would like take one of us and try and get bank codes and stuff out of us. Did you know the codes? Uh, Yeah. What are the codes? You just revealed. <laughs> I, I still have them in my head. You weren't allowed to write them down, so I still have them in my head. I mean, I imagine they've been changed. Oh, yeah, they change every time. I can leaves. tell us them then. Have you got a blueprint as a bank? <laughs> <laughs> I do. Steve, it's funny. I, I thought this would come up because of the song that mentions Barclays, and I did bring three or four different blueprints yeah. to the local Barclays. Yeah. yeah. I'll dig them out of my Sweet. bag in a okay. minute. Yeah, thanks. Uh, until then, um, <laughs> we'll listen to the third track on uh, Generation Terrorists, which is called Born to End. And again, I think not a lot of critical analysis you can do about this. Um, it's you know fairly cut and dry what it's about. Here we go. Spoilers.
little reference to Nagasaki there. Yeah. I will, I will say courses. I'm very confused by this, if, I, if you don't mind me taking the lead, because um, the notes I've written really don't match up to the song we just listened to. Okay, go on. So I've got about it as being about cars and the open road and just being free, right? Um, I'll read a lyric, because tramps like us, baby, we were... I, don't, I see what I've done there. Uh, I see what I've done. I've listened to... Shit. You have been listening to shit, yeah. Uh, oh, fuck. You guys talk. Hold on. I've got... Oh, fuck. I don't get this bit. Steve, show me... He Show, show me your notes, Steve. Hmm? Show me your notes. Sorry? Show me your notes. Oh, I don't think I'm ever going to do that. Please show me your notes. Hmm? Just show me the notes for the for the bit that you just did. Just, I don't want... Did you write down that you were going to deliberately confuse this song with Born to Run by Bruce Springsteen? Uh, oh. What? If there's one thing that is the hallmark of any good podcast, it's carefully planned out. Yeah. Impromptu bits. Did you see how quickly he was like, if you don't mind me taking the lead, he, you really had to get that in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on, Steve's writing me a message. Here we go. He's writing down. He's writing down. Help me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're gonna uh, cut a lot of that out. That's weird. Next. No, we're not cutting any of that. No. Out. Did you have anything to say about the song? <laughs> it's <all right> it. <laughs> I actually didn't have much to say about this one. I didn't really particularly rate this one. Um, it's about uh, European bloc countries that kind of escaped the slavery of dictators only to trap themselves in the slavery of capitalism so uh, i think like very very clear themes for like the whole album it, it seems to be like the whole album is about kind of uh capitalism europe freed by mcdonald's and levi's yeah born, born to, to end. end what is it about can't afford it so i hate it all the manic born to end yeah it was a note i made about the song go on that is it? Why does it sound so manic? His lyrics, like um, as in not manic, as in why does it sound so much like Manic Street Preachers? The vocal production. Do you know what I'm trying to say on that though? It's like, is it the double track? The way they double tracked it? I don't know if they even have double tracked it. But it, do you know it's what? his voice, right? It, there's an effect on it that seems to run a lot later into their career as well. Do you know what I I'm think? To say? It, I think it's the way they've mic'd it. Okay. Um, he had. This is so nerdy. Okay. He has an incredibly powerful voice. Right, right. It's like really loud, so I think they can't close mic him. Okay. So what ends up happening is that there's a lot of space and air in his vocals. Right, and I think I, I, that might be what you're picking up on, but you, but you're you're looking at me like no, that's definitely not it. No, 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 no. It maybe it is. Uh, th- there just seems to be the way it sounds. And certainly, it, I noticed it in this track. It, it's just got a definite style yeah there's the, so the sound not his the way he sounds but the way the vocals are produced yeah interesting okay anyway interesting that yeah it's That's not, the sort of thing that normally a robot man would pick up on yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um i i can't say i i don't have an answer for you i suppose and i, I know you're not asking me for an answer yeah, I mean, no, just no. putting it out there but um it was just something i noted down about that one um after hold on what's it say here do a really successful bit about bruce Springsteen. Okay. Huh. That's yeah. Weird. When are you going to do that? Huh. <laughs> when are you going to do the successful bit? Oh, I don't think I've ever had one of those. I mean, it, it, it's interesting you brought it up again because we could have edited it out. Well, I brought it up again. <laughs> <laughs> but now, Steve, 
I have to leave it in <laughs> <laughs> so that this bit makes sense. Sure. You could cut this out. You really are your own worst enemy. Shall I just cut it all out? You everything hit everything from about the four minute mark <laughs> yeah. up onwards. Adam, you don't have recording equipment. It's all in your head. Oh my God. <laughs> it's just you and the spirit of Michael Jackson. Why are you? <laughs> What's he saying? I d- well, he I don't know. Like he said, I know he's saying something, isn't he? <laughs> so, I don't know what he's. I don't know. Jesus Christ! Oh, it's only track three. I don't like this bit. Which bit? What other song? It's your house that's haunted by the ghost of Michael Jackson. <laughs> yeah, sure. not mine. Oh, is he visiting you because of the wrongs you did? Uh, let, let's, oh, move let's, on. let's move on. Let's move on. Because this like, is it's a court matter. It's a court matter. It's an, yeah, we <laughs> can't actually sake. talk about it. Oh, right then. Uh, <laughs> let's talk about motorcycle emptiness. Spoiler alert. What an absolute fucking banger. I knew this one. This is one you, yeah. This, this is, is one, one of you the had... ones that I knew before this podcast. What an anvil of a track! Absolutely. What it hits you on the head. It's just heavy. It is. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it is. It good. Uh, yeah, it is a flower of a track. It's a what? It's a flower it's of a, a track. self-raising flower. I mean, okay, so motorcycle emptiness is like a classic manic song, and. Therefore, I've honestly never paid it that much attention. Do you know well, what I mean? I mean, I've written something down that you sent us when we were talking about it, and that's wow, wow, did a little wow, wow. <laughs> so, can you care to some... elaborate on that one? Yeah, yeah. If you could just, I can elaborate on that because if you start with um, wow, wow, did a little wow, wow, <laughs> and then you go, did a little, 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 yeah, it's the song, and, yeah, and that's yeah. the song, isn't it? Yeah, that riff is particularly great yeah. what i also uh, love especially is when it reaches that higher register they know it was fucking great and yeah. they went we'll put that in it a lot yeah and actually we'll do it <laughs> higher and sometimes we'll do it lower yeah this the song is over six minutes long yeah is it yeah yeah six it minutes and eight like seconds it. it's six so minutes good. eight seconds and, it- and you thought i was foolish writing down the track lanes <laughs> well i'll throw to you more often to know how long it is um I, it, it honestly zips by um, the, the thing like I said like because it's such a classic track I honestly paid it no mind and just going like, oh yeah it's a Manix classic and it's always bored me a little bit I've always been a little bit bored by Motorcycle Emptiness okay well that goes completely against what I imagine it's six minutes long 
It's the same riff again and again and again. Good riff, though. It's the same chords for the verse as it is for the chorus. They never change, okay? And now, going through it with the lyrics and really giving it that deeper listen, I've written here, holy shit. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, he has. What, like, what an incredible (laughs) song. It stands so far apart from anything on the rest of the album. Um, it's so like music. Is this your favorite song on the album? Absolutely. Not the one that we had discussed before. <laughs> well, we'll get like uh, this is a nine out of ten for me, and the one we discussed before is a ten out of ten. Right. So, I mean, I mean the one that we were seriously talking about, not the one we were piss takingly talking about. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. But th- this, I, I would say that like this is an absolutely incredible song that stands apart from the album and it's has, also like, understandably stood the test of time it's also a nice change of pace after three is, yeah. pretty big songs yeah. yeah lots of like hair metal-esque you know glammy, i like glammy just, stuff going on and this is just a bit more what i imagine when i think of the manic street preachers which is the bit that bit more soft anthemic stadium anthemic rock kind of thing arena rock let's not give them stadium yet downgrade it to arena rock yeah Oh, that's a real, that's just a real get, diss. It just gets straight into it as well. There's no intro. Yeah. It's just like, yeah. It's, 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 yeah, here, here it is. Yeah. Did here they is. ever get to stadium status? Yes. Like headlining full stadium gigs on the, you know, off their own, um, like a stadium that was their gig, not yes. like a festival or whatever. Yes. Cool. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> they headlined Reading as well, didn't they? Uh, and, yeah, and Glastonbury. Because I was, when I, one of the notes I wrote about this album is, this is a band I can imagine headlining a festival. Oh yeah, yeah. At their peak, they headlined Many Reading. I think they headlined Reading twice, um, and I think they they headlined Glastonbury at least once. They headlined like fairly recently Reading, didn't they? I think they headlined the second stage. I was going to say they're one of those oh, ba- okay. they're one of those bands who have just like declined in terms of like their size, and so well, a band Reading's that would once headline are now like fourth from top on the main stage or headlining well, the say, third stage. You say that, but then didn't last year didn't they have Fallout Boy headlining? Oh, I'm not saying it's valid. Right. <laughs> but it's just like, that happens with bands, doesn't it? Like, I remember when I went to Reading for the first time in 2006, mm. uh, in a row, which is a great four acts in a row, was Feeder, The Streets, Arctic Monkeys and Muse. Right. Which was a fucking banging four in a row. Yeah. Arctic Monkeys had just hit, like, that first album. And I remember seeing Feeder and being like, they're great. And, like, they're fourth from top. Right. There were, a few years before that, they headlined. Are Feeder great? No. Okay. At the time, they're fine. At the time, yeah. they're fine. No, so I was thinking great. they're fine or whatever. You know, they're all right. They're good enough. But they headlined a few years before. And then yeah. bands just like get smaller, don't they? Just not because yeah. of their, not because they decline in quality. They just sort of, people, Ma- get, people Ma- get used to them. A, Manics have a weird trajectory, um, fame-wise. And, and we'll, we'll, we'll plot it as we go through the episodes, I think. Um, well, ups and downs. Yeah, ups and downs, uh, for sure. But like um, they'll never headline a stadium again. Uh, they headlined a stadium... Last year, or two years ago, one nil, one nil. Can we note? We'll note that down. That's to Adam again. Yeah, but that's versus Lucas. Yeah, Steve's Steve yet to get on the scoreboard. Yeah, mm, I got. A, don't oh, think it's gonna happen. Poor showing for Steve. Yeah, poor showing. Um, I like that it goes into a bridge of the song that I don't care about. <laughs> it <laughs> starts do doing something else. 
Oh, all I'm you like, want is the. Oh, the dun, dun, all we want dun, from dun, you dun, is dun, the kicks. Dun, 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 I don't want that. Yeah. Dun, 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 you don't want get, that. Just get back more into that. Yeah, but the thing is, the thing about that bit is that it <laughs> makes you wait for the other yeah. bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what's so that's so really good damning with it. faint praise. Uh, yeah, it is. Like your song's great, and the like middle bit, the middle bit's all right because it's not that great, and so it really makes you appreciate the bit that's great. Well, the thing about this song is, it's actually made up of about two or three demos that they just sort of mashed together. Okay, and I think you can kind of tell that from the bridge section um uh it's about capitalism again isn't it it really is i yeah. mean i haven't read the lyrics to this but that i've made out the line this wonderful world of purchase power yep. i just thought ah, it's about capitalism isn't it probably it's about a lot of things um to me culture sucks down words itemize loathing and feed yourself smiles i think this is potentially the most poetic they get on generation terrorists under neon loneliness which is a lovely... It's That's such... That's nice and nice words put together, it's isn't it? It's such an evocative well, to, image, to, isn't to, it? Yeah, that to me is like the glow of the television. And okay. For me, it's um, someone stood beneath lots of very bright neon advertising. Sure, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And being like completely lost in this world of... Well, that's um, much better than... Of like name. capitalistic bright lights and, and feeling lost yeah i think adam's take is and uh what i think mo- motorcycle I motorcycle emptiness i've always taken to be like you know when you like are so excited to make a purchase do you know what i mean like you're so you excited buy yourself to a have... new sexy motorcycle and afterwards yeah. you just go ah, oh, yeah and that you just feel empty about it you buy yourself something really nice and shiny and the thrill of the chase has gone like and when you're you, just left feeling like when I impulse, impulse bought, bought, when yeah, I impulse bought that, that 120 quid muse box set a few days ago <laughs> yeah when you said I can't afford that I bought it <laughs> how do you feel about that purchase now well it hasn't arrived it hasn't yet arrived right? yet. Uh, I feel you know I mean I know for a fact it's. I'm going to look at it and go great cool yeah. I'll listen to some of the rare demos and stuff on it and then I will put it on the shelf with the rest of my collection and never yeah. look at it again and I'll look at it in a and year and that is motorcycle emptiness to me and that is what we've been do you love us thank you for listening oh no oh sorry oh you thought i was doing the big (laughs) out yeah yeah yeah. yeah. five tracks in sorry (laughs) four tracks in yeah four tracks yeah sorry no um and we're only about two percent of the way through this album's length aren't we uh because it's a long album (laughs) what did you say two thirds no two percent oh is it two percent more like several generations terrorists (laughs) because it's because it lasts so long. Yeah. That's that's a really good joke. Thank you. That's great. Thank you. That, that makes up great. for the train wreck. Yeah, the 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 Bruce Springsteen born to end debacle. I mean that's we definitely can't cut that bit out now because we've now referenced it. It's a third time. time. I'm sorry, Steve. It's got to stay in. in it's in fine. Its entirety. I can live with it. Uh, from feudal serf to spender, this wonderful world world of purchase power. Just like lungs sucking on air, survival is natural as sorrow. Should we kiss? Uh, I don't... Yeah, okay, hang on. <laughs> Adam, we know we know each other. What are you... I thought that's what kissing was. <laughs> yeah. Oh, cool. Uh, uh, yeah. What a brilliant What a brilliant song. Uh, in fact, it, it's actually so brilliant that um, the, the critics of the Mannix uh, didn't believe it was them. Really? Yeah, they believed it was a bunch of session musicians, which uh, wasn't helped by the fact that for the first few months of their tour, they didn't play it live. Okay. Um, 
because they couldn't. <laughs> uh, like they genuinely like not all of them could play it. It's all James Dean Bradfield. Really? Yeah. Wow. Um, so they had to kind of. Why were they a it. band? Uh, because and not just a solo artist. Well, I guess a the band lyrics isn't just about the music. It was that they they would yeah. all help write the song. It's gotta be yeah. symmetrical, as well. Do you know what I mean? You've got the man at the front, and you've got one either side of him. It's gotta be symmetrical. That's just a really nice thing to look at on stage. It's one of the things that winds me up about Muse, Lucas. But is, that, are, but, is that it's lopsided. But it's not because there's one in the middle at the back on drums and then there's and then there's one on the front right and one on the front left. It wasn't when I saw them. The drums were off to the left. Ah. He, it was a nightmare. You're talking about the Black Holes and Revelation. Black Holes and Revelation yeah, tour in 2006 um, at the Wembley Arena. Wembley Arena. And I was at that gig. Also. Uh yeah. Yeah. But we didn't we didn't know each other. We did know we knew each other. We knew each other there was, they did didn't. three nights on that uh yeah. That venue. So Again, if you've just joined us, you're listening to the world's only podcast dedicated to the Manor Street Preachers. I think the Muse gig, we were at the same one. <laughs> um, but uh, no, we same, Did you go to the one tour. where they played the whole album top to bottom in order? Yeah. yeah so yeah. yeah. And then Greatest Hits at the end yeah, in yeah. chronological order. Yeah, 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 yeah. Real prog. Yeah. Steve has fully checked out. I'm just trying to figure out if I've ever seen Muse. 21st of November 2006. Yeah, you saw them at Glastonbury. Did I? Yeah. Oh. Uh. You said it was one of the best things you've ever seen. Our friend Brendan um, said it was okay. And our friend Quinn said it was shit. For a wide (laughs) range. Maybe you guys should do a music podcast. Oh, what a load of big mates. I feel like that band has come up a lot of times, given that this podcast isn't about them. (laughs) There's a reason why you're talking about it, though. It's fine. That's, that's, that Muse are your manics, aren't they? Yeah, but this is a Mannix podcast. Yeah. That's true. Should we get back to the Monix? Sure. The, the, what? the Monix. <laughs> the Monix Rock Proches. Well, Smoth. I will say that I think this song is uh, one of the few examples on the album where the drum machine actually enhances the song. I think that that very regimented style of, of drums gives it that kind of flowy sort of drive graceful kind of drive yeah um i i yeah i just love this song so much um your joys are counterfeit this happiness corrupt political shit mm. i don't know it's just it's it feels like the first great lyric that they put together for me uh, I don't know if you guys would agree. Well, I mean, you don't have necessarily have the context of the rest of their lyrics, but... Um, and also, I didn't read the lyrics. Sure, but I think even from bits you pick up, you can tell that there is kind of... Um, there's, you know, there's just, again, there's just more going on in these lyrics than there are on some of the others. It encompasses a lot more. Um, yeah. I think, and it's a lovely song. Yeah, it is. It's it, a lovely it, nice. sounding song. Just a really great song. Um, it was also a single... Uh, got to number 18 and stayed in the top 40 for a month. I should have mentioned that Slash and Burn was a single as well. Okay. Um, makes sense, I think. Um, shall we move on yeah. to uh, You Love Us, which was another single. We're in where Motorcycle Emptiness kicks off the run on the album of four singles in a row. Okay. Um, and I actually think that this is an incredible run on the album. This is probably my favorite section of the album is Motorcycle Emptiness to Little Baby Nothing. Um, all right, so let's start. Let's Well, let's continue that run with uh, 
you love us. sort of does that for a while it does it uh we the the, uh the song that we've named the podcast after right yeah which i have to say is the most desperate sounding podcast name do you love us we what is missing is just please please do you love us please Please. (laughs) um i thought it it sums up steve's whole vibe though (laughs) desperate desperate for attention (laughs) and the approval of my big fucking mates well big mates um hashtag big mates who are they it really reminds me of school, this track. Oh, just, really? Just from going to the gigs with you and stuff. Yeah. So that, that took me right there. They'd sing that, obviously, live, weirdly. Yeah, um, it's a big, jumpy, pointy, shouty song. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah, the chorus goes on a bit, isn't it? Yeah, and it is just them saying, you love us. Yeah, so I'm going to ask you about that in a minute. Okay. Because I haven't really delved into it. Um, it's just got that, again, that stadium feeling to it. I don't know. I'm doing this on my hand and... I'm sort of air grabbing. You're grasping for the words that you're trying to yeah, pluck yeah, yeah. from your mind tank. But um, my mind tank. Uh, yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Sure. It's uh, like a septic tank. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, I'm sure it, it's quite an uh, ironic song from what I'm going to imagine you're going to talk to me about in the lyrics. Oh, I I'm don't sure know. it's literally. I, I'm, I'm at, I would actually argue that it's not. Oh, well, you think they're literally saying. You love us. Yeah. We're fucking That's we're what I, I mean, my, my take was just, this is like a song that's just being like, we're fucking cool. You yeah. love us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it is. I think it's, I think, I think it's three things. I think it's that. I think it's directed at the media who did love them. And they're just like, come on, you love us. Um, and I think it is a subversion of that classic rock and roll statement that people would say at gigs, you know, we love you. Sure. People would look out at their crowd of fans and go, we love you. Yeah. And the Manics look out at their crowd of fans and go, you love us. You love us. Yeah. It's just kind of another, just a little fuck you. Yeah. I don't especially rate this song though. No? Nah. I think for me, it's It's nostalgic. So it's different. Yeah. yeah, It's just a bit repetitive and fairly I think that it's simple. It occupies a unique space in uh, pop music in general, um, because there's not that many songs that are about the bands. Interesting. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I actually yeah. can't think of many others. But when, they, when they're singing, like, we are not your sinners, our voices are for real, you know? Uh, we, we won't die of devotion and understand we can never belong. Um, you, it, again, like the chorus, you love us. They are talking about themselves. Okay. Which is, a, a, well, I think anyway. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's a very, like I say, like a unique kind of thing to do in music. It's quite like a... A meta... Everything Kanye West does. Uh, yep. Yeah, uh, <laughs> the thing is, what's interesting about that is solo artists, of course, you know, their Reference songs are about... Yeah, of course they reference yeah. themselves. I mean, but usually in bands, 
um, the singer or the person who writes the lyric is talking about themselves. So it's still I, you know? Not we, the band. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's talking about the band as they were, like a unit against everybody else. And I just, I like that because it also taps into how I felt at the time that I heard the song. Because hashtag big mates. Um, <laughs> it's a hashtag now. Is it's it? a hashtag. Yeah, yeah. It's, oh, Steve, Twitter's on fire with hashtag big mates. Um, <laughs> we, we have some big mates, Steve. I've got some big mates. We've got some big mates. And uh, <laughs> it's nice to feel part of like a gang um, and, and feel like you're against the world a little bit. And um, that's one of the things I like about the Manics is that they saw themselves as a unit. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Yeah, speak they saw on themselves as big mates. Speak on that. Speak on that. <laughs> what about a big unit? Yes. Uh, no. Yeah, I think there's no. Uh, they couldn't really be talking about anyone else, right? Right. Exactly. You yeah. love us. Yeah. I mean, I suppose you could really de- delve into it, but but like you're saying, if you're a solo artist and you're saying I, the I could be anyone. You, they could be. You could be writing in character. Yeah. Yeah. But I think when they're saying things like, we won't die of devotion, it, know, knowing what we... It's certainly about some gang of people. Yeah. Uh, uh, but but knowing knowing what we know about, like, the, the thing that Richie did with the razor blade that we talked earlier, I think, you know, it just kind of sums up their whole essence and their whole vibe. Sure. Um, good song, yeah. IMO. I, I like it. Lucas doesn't so much. Not too Lucas, strong. Lucas, you're not first. Lucas just don't write too much. Yeah, it's a bit, just spit. What, simple. Can, can you can you kind of? It's a bit simple. It is definitely one of the it's, more like the chorus is just ones, "You love us." It is, yeah. Uh, I did write outro from four minutes onwards. Is banging. Big fan of that. Yeah. So, uh, let's, but um, I don't remember specifically what that sounds like. Okay. Well, it's banging though. Let's have banging. a little. Let's have a little uh, listen because I know what you're referring to. Lucas throwing up the horns again. Yeah, actually, and I was, I was actually a pretty good song out as well. Yeah, you were. You were doing the Gene Simmons yeah, style yeah, yeah. tongue. That's yeah. nuts. And I yeah, he's a, <laughs> yeah, he's a actually, really underrated guitarist. The song's actually it. pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> Completely changed your yeah, mind. I, on it. I really like the outro. I think it's pretty banging. But uh, nah, it, the, the first that doesn't do a lot for me. Okay, fair that's enough. absolutely fair enough. Um, Musically, uh, interestingly. Um, <laughs> when they released the album in the US, first of all, it had a different track listing and it made it shorter. Um, Lucky them. <laughs> <laughs> you Love Us was one of the songs that they got a session drummer to play real drums on. Why? Because they thought that the drums sounded too fake, yeah. too so cheap. If we're listening to the remastered edition on Spotify, is that with the no, drums? No, those are the original drums. Why didn't sean moore that's a good question (laughs) why didn't sean moore and i think the answer to that question is that he's sean most end of end of of podcast (laughs) (laughs) oh oh my michael jackson is impersonating a train i don't know what that's about 
he's come back to very odd the other songs are Slash and Burn uh, Nat West Barclays Midlands Lloyds and Little Baby Nothing which will come on to later all four of those had real drums in the US version can you imagine how livid actually that Sean Moore must have been well my genuine <laughs> question was going to be I'm pretty sure you told me at the beginning of this actually why didn't he do live drums for this album I, I actually I actually didn't but it was at the insistence of uh, Steve Brown who wanted a very specific drum sound Fine. That, okay. that he couldn't achieve from the real drums. Wow. And by all accounts, I've you know I've read and listened to some interviews with Sean, um, and he talks about how it was much more irritating having to program the drums than it would have been to just go in there and play them. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. It's, it's 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 honestly a decision. And then they got I, someone else to play it. They got yeah. Can you imagine? That must be so livid. Your your album comes out in America. And someone else is playing the drums on it. That must have been Unbelievable. pretty gutting and, and a weird decision. All I in mean, all. I'm sure he didn't mind when he was covered in money. Uh, I don't know that the Manager producers have ever been covered in money. Okay, fine. I think they're probably doing all right, but they're not exactly Kanye West levels of rich, are they? I'm clicking a pen and it's Ooh. distracting me. Take it away from I'm me. I'm moving all right. it far away from Steve. Okay. A- a- any more thoughts on uh, You Love Us? Other than that, it's an absolute punk banger. Do you? Do you love us, please? Please. The please us respond. being the Manic Street Preachers. Yeah. How are you, how are you feeling them about yet. them? I don't love them you yet. You don't love them yet, but I bet you like them a little bit more than you did before you started this podcast. Uh, yeah, I mean... Okay. Wait, I've... no, no, stop. That, that's it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet Exile there from the Manic Street Preachers. Sorry, I just, I really feel like I need to do that when I'm coming out of a song. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, the beginning sounds like Faith. Yeah, it does. And there's some beautiful, like, quite wanky spoken word poetry yeah. over the intro. I assume Lucas has got something to say about that. I wrote, pretentious speaking bit, <laughs> I roll. I roll. You don't like that? I'm generally not a fan of speaking bits in songs. Oh, really? Because they're, okay. they're, I'm too much of a robot. It's basically poetry. And that's just too much for you. It's too much. You just can't deal with it. Yeah, that's fair enough. Uh, no, but also, I mean, what have, I've got the lyrics. Uh, between the billboard masturbation across highways of metallic isolation, there lies the deafening screaming of the millions. Yeah, also just, it's quite, it's quite wanky, isn't it? It definitely is, but I think that's um, whether I like it or not. I like that it's there. Okay, does that make sense? Who's speaking that? Uh, that is Nicky Wire's brother, uh, Patrick, who is a poet. Because it sounds like a Scottish man. He is Welsh. 
that's interesting because I I know they're Welsh and I mm. remember hearing it and thinking why is there a Scottish man talking yeah well he's Welsh so I'm just wrong yeah I'm just wrong yeah you just can't identify accent yeah okay uh, things I like about this song I like the programmed bass that's like an electronic bass they wanted to try and like emulate nine inch nails I yeah um, you can get a bit of that vibe um, and I like the collage kind of lyrics um, okay. but uh, no, sorry go on no 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 things I don't like about it um, are the collage lyrics and the programmed bass that sounds a bit like <laughs> Nine Inch Nails yeah yeah like I just I really struggle with this song I I blow hot and cold on it um, sometimes I think it's really kind of rocking well i've written sometimes i don't drums though drums though and ridiculous yeah it sounds insane yeah and now i know that they're not real it makes a whole lot of sense but right. i like it i really like those you do ridiculous like ridiculous over the top sort of 80s insane reverb sounding drums uh you're just fiddling with knobs and i got real distracted sorry i am listening to you yeah yeah, yeah. um yeah that, that's what i was gonna say that's what I, I i my big takeaway from that song is um, I haven't researched into the lyrics. Yeah, what's it about? Because all I really made about out your was, lyrics. apart from Love's Sweet Exile, was a lot of saying, leave this country. And I was like, is this song like a horrible <laughs> bit of hate speech? <laughs> <laughs> but Yeah, that real that will go into their politics. That, sure, really, yeah. that really fits with the vibe of this album. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm honestly not sure. I mean, the lyrics are literally just like, uh, leave this country, leave this country. Rain down alienation, leave this country. Who are they referring to? Uh, it, I think it's unclear. but I, And I think that that is another one of my problems with the song is that the collage lyrics make it quite unfocused. Um, we blur into images of state coercion, classified machines die misunderstood. Now, as as kind of evocative as those lyrics are, they don't do anything for me, I have to say. Yeah, I mean, I it, I didn't listen to it enough to think. Uh, no, that's not the right way of putting it. I didn't listen to it and go, "Oh, those seem interesting." I'm going to look it up. Yeah, yeah, I know. So exactly if I didn't go into it, despair seeps through and cuts our eyes. Unified collapse of everything inside. That's not the first time they talk about cutting eyes. Is it not? Something about slicing eyelids. I think that might be in the next album. Oh, cool. Anyway, cool. Cutting <laughs> eyes. Uh, we haven't had a reference to suicide for like like a couple of tracks now like, uh, it's been a while sure yeah um, I'm sure there's one coming I mean, I mean there, 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 there is a song on this album called Spectators of Suicide yep. so that'll it's a good one that'll help us out with that um, I think I've written down here at 1 minute 55 JDB solo wow okay so let's just uh, yeah I did write solo at 320 is cool at 320 okay let's how have many a, are there <laughs> uh, yeah, good, christ knows hang on let's uh, let's have a listen to the one i've, I've got Yeah, it's cool, isn't it? Yeah, cool solo. It's really cool. It is it's, cool solo. It's dirty and disgusting. I like yeah. it. It makes me feel upset. There's not enough great solos in like pop music anymore. Nah. Well, guitar rock is like much less prominent than it used to be. A That's solo is... True. I'm trying to think of the right word here and I started a sentence so I will finish. But <laughs> The mastermind rules. Yeah. It's almost like um, it's seen as embarrassing to do a guitar solo now, right? 
It's very showy. Yeah, yeah. It, and, and I love that they just think, no, fuck it. Yeah, fuck it. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about 92. It was different back then. But I mean, like true. metal bands. And, and they are imagine. aping a style yeah. from like the early 80s kind of thing, aren't they? Uh, yeah, metal bands probably have loads of solos, right? chuck solos in every left, right and centre. Maybe you heard the just... new Dragon Force album? I've not heard the new Dragon Force album. I imagine it's 85% solos. Yeah, they do a cover of My Heart Will Go On and it's the best thing I've ever heard. All right. Six out of ten. Uh That'll be the next episode of the podcast then. It'll just be about that one song. <laughs> well, as we're talking about Dragon Force, that seems like a good time to end our podcast. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you so much uh, for listening again. Um, so we just we'll going to go straight that, into part two. Yeah, I think we're going to have to cut this in, in half because no one, wants this, no one wants to go on for a three hour, three and a half hour all the way through things so i think cut this in half at track six of 18 yeah join right it. in half well we don't have we won't have any more history stuff to do so we can just get straight on with the album next time you tune into us which should be in a couple of weeks time reach out to us on twitter and instagram we're at manix podcast on uh both of those let us know what you're thinking about the manix what you're thinking about our podcast what you think about steve mm. um and his uh jokes let us know what you think about specifically uh, what you thought about my yeah i'm gonna leave the whole thing in really weigh in on the bruce springsteen bit because we do just want to have some really really deep feedback on that so please follow us on twitter um <laughs> make sure that you are subscribing to the podcast wherever it is you listen to the you podcast um Tell them the email address, which is manixpodcast at, at gmail.com. Gmail. Yeah. Manixpodcast at gmail.com. Promo code Manix. <laughs> what does that get you? Promo code Manix. Sure. Tickets. Free Gmail account. You can send a free email. Free Gmail account. Sure. What's the difference? Oh, so let's carry on. Free mail. Fucking Thank you very much uh, for listening. We're, we're getting a bit loopy now that we've been recording for this long. Uh, I forgot to thank them in the last episode, but thank you very much to Matt Lambert and James Quinn for helping me out and figuring out what this uh, podcast was and wasn't. Um, and uh, I hope you join us next time. And remember, uh, we live in urban hell and we destroy rock and roll. Hey, bye. Hello, it's Steve here, um, just hijacking the end of the podcast. Uh, to sort of make a formal apology for my Bruce Springsteen joke. Um, it wasn't big, it wasn't clever, I'm, uh, I'm not proud of it. Um, it's probably the most excruciating thing I've ever listened back to. Um, I just wanted to say I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, it's not going to happen again. Um, I mean, it probably will happen again. It, it will happen again. So, uh, enjoy the rest of the podcast episodes. Uh, bye.